Listener Production. Your Morning Agenda with Natasha Belling. Good morning. Thanks for your company. Let's check what's making headlines this Friday, the 12th of March. Denmark, Iceland and Norway have all suspended their rollouts of the AstraZeneca COVID-19 vaccine because of concerns over blood clots. Health authorities say they are looking into signs of possible side effects, saying it's not known as yet whether the clots are linked to the vaccine. The vaccine has been suspended for two weeks as a precaution. But in breaking news this morning, France and the UK both say they won't suspend their rollouts of the AstraZeneca vaccine, saying they will continue to monitor any side effects closely. I'm aware of the situation here. Um, We've done all of the regulatory tests in the UK. We're very confident that it's safe to take the vaccine. But we also know, and we had this throughout the trials, that you have to follow the process in each country on safety and uh, and we obviously respect uh, the Norwegian approach. Meantime, back home and the federal government is under fire over delays with our vaccination rollout. Questions have been raised about exactly how long it will take for Australians to receive both their COVID-19 vaccinations. The government has previously committed to having the country covered by October. His Health Department Secretary, Professor Brendan Murphy, speaking at a Senate committee hearing. This is not a race. We have no burning platform in Australia. We are taking it as quickly and carefully and safely as we can. But the AMA is not concerned about the delay, saying spacing out the first and second jabs is a good idea. Here's Dr Chris Moy. If you have one shot, you do get really good protection for the entire 12 weeks anyway. Also, it actually does make it a little bit calmer in terms of having to rush to get people to have two shots quickly. And also, you've got to remember, we've got the flu vaccines to get in, which can't be given at the same time. In other news this morning, the federal government's new $1.2 billion tourism package has been criticised for not going far enough. The scheme offering half-price flights across the country aims to give a much-needed boost to the struggling aviation and tourism industries. Labor is taking aim at the package, questioning whether it's enough. Shadow Industrial Relations Minister Tony Burke says many people, especially in aviation, won't benefit from the investment. Prime Minister today has decided that the vast majority of people in hospitality and the tourism sector, that it's okay for them to be left behind and that he's not on their side. There's also been backlash that certain states have been favoured over others with the cheap flights. New South Wales questioning why Queensland is getting so much federal government support, saying the Sunshine State tourism sectors suffered because its Premier kept shutting its borders. Here's New South Wales Transport Minister Andrew Constance. I wouldn't be giving too much favouritism to Queensland after their behaviour. The Queensland government needs to mature and grow up. And, uh, you know, they, they might think it's funny that they're upsetting people from New South Wales. For goodness sake, we're all Australians. Federal Treasurer Josh Frydenberg is denying ongoing concerns that our economy will fall off a financial cliff when JobKeeper ends later this month. Some experts are predicting at least 100,000 jobs could go in a few weeks, with many local businesses concerned they won't be able to keep staff employed once the government supplement finishes. Here's Mr Frydenberg on the ABC. The advice to me from Treasury has been that as the economy strengthens and people get back to work, that JobKeeper needs to come to an end because it has a number of perverse uh, characteristics and features in that program that prevent 
workers more efficiently moving to other roles across uh, the economy and it can prop up what are unsustainable uh, uh, long-term businesses. And we'll have more details on this story coming up shortly in Business and Finance. And Prince William has broken his silence after his brother's explosive tell-all interview with Oprah Winfrey, saying the royal family is very much not a racist family. So, have you broke? Have you spoken to your brother since the interview? <laughs> no, I haven't spoken to him yet, but I will do. And, and can you just let me know: is the the royal family a racist family, sir? No, we're very much not a racist family. William admits he has not spoken to Prince Harry since the interview, where he and his wife Meghan claimed a senior member of the royal family questioned how dark their unborn baby's skin would be. It comes as Meghan's friend Janina Gavankar appeared on British television saying the couple has evidence to support its bombshell allegations. And though their recollections may vary, ours don't because we lived through it with them. And there are many emails and texts to support that. Now for a look at what else is making news around the country this Friday morning. To Sydney firstly and the state's Service New South Wales app was shut down yesterday suffering widespread technical problems. The COVID check-in app experienced major issues leaving people unable to register their details at restaurants and other venues. Our reporter Siobhan Caulfield has more from Sydney. Tash Service New South Wales says there's no evidence to suggest yesterday's outage was the result of a cyber attack after the app randomly stopped working, locking users out. It caused headaches for venues which rely on the app for contact tracing. With patrons unable to register their details, users saying they couldn't log in properly and were getting locked out after a number of attempts. The outage lasted around four hours but was restored by about seven last night and in the meantime, customers were urged to check in via the web form. Service New South Wales has apologised for any inconvenience. It is still unclear why the outage happened but thankfully it doesn't appear to be anything malicious. To Queensland now and just weeks out from Easter, COVID restrictions are easing further across the state. It comes as positive fragments of COVID-19 have been detected in local waterways. Our reporter Amy Drew has the details from Brisbane. Well, the figures released by Queensland Health show positive fragment detections at the Fairfield Wastewater Treatment Plant in Brisbane South, along with Mackay South and two plants in Cairns. The new detections come as the state prepares to ease restrictions further around private gatherings and camping from tomorrow. Gatherings of up to 100 people will be allowed in homes and the limits on the state's campsites will be removed. While an influx of COVID patients from Papua New Guinea has led two public hospitals, one in in Brisbane and another in Cairns to declare a code yellow emergency. Queensland currently has 41 active cases. All of them are contained within the hotel quarantine system. It's been more than 50 days since the last infectious case within the community. And to WA and the state election is on tomorrow with polls predicting a landslide win for Premier Mark McGowan and the Labor Party. Our reporter Adam Hemmings has the latest from Perth. Tash, the election campaign has been relatively uneventful with many of the usual and expected commitments from the major parties. But it's also had its moments, especially when WA Liberal leader Zach Kirkup conceded early, admitting he's unlikely to win. News poll predicted the Liberals could be reduced to two seats in parliament 
Parliament. And that turned their campaign into a battle to stop Labor from having a majority. Now, it's widely accepted that Labor will win tomorrow night, returning the most popular Premier in the country to power. But Mark McGowan maintains he's not taking anything for granted. Early voting has also been very popular. More than 600,000 people have already cast their vote. After the latest in business and finance news this morning, we're joined by Effie Zahos, editor-at-large at CanStar. Effie, good morning. Now, we heard earlier about these ongoing concerns about exactly what will happen at the end of this month when JobKeeper ends. On the one hand, the government and many other people are saying we won't head off that financial cliff, but some other businesses are saying they will be forced to close and slash jobs. What do you think is going to happen? Look, uh, I think it's somewhere a little bit in between there, Tash. We've got, what what is it, 16 days until the end of JobKeeper and there is a lot of concern. We are anxious and I get that. When you look at what uh, some economists are predicting as far as job loss, most are sitting around about 100,000 mark. I mean, some have even gone up to about 250,000 jobs could be lost. That is a big hit and these are real people in real situations. What we've got to remember also is that over this period, we have seen with JobKeeper um, uh, tapering down, more and more people are jumping into the workforce. So I think it will be a case that are we going to see a cliff happen? I don't believe that. Obviously, people will be in pain and jobs will be lost and businesses will close. But then I guess we've got to say, how long can JobKeeper be held on for? And are these businesses viable now to, to you know, will they continue anyway? Um, that's the hard reality, I, I guess we've got to say. Uh, also a situation now that um, when you look at uh, what the RBA is focusing on, it is focusing on certainly wages. It um, uh, the, the, the RBA boss came out the other day at a financial uh, business review summit saying that um, that's the key indicator now we need wages to grow to do that we keep interest rates low so they're going to stay i also know from the consumer side that we are cashed up ready to spend in that regard mortgages that were put on pause have fallen considerably which is great news i think there are about six million mortgage holders um, and about sixty thousand are still on pause the commonwealth bank has about twenty five thousand still on pause so things are improving but no doubt we are very nervous in the next six days what's going to happen this stimulus that came out yesterday 1.2 billion plan bit of controversy around that will it save jobs some people are saying not it's going to give some cheap tickets and give us some holidays but it's not really sustaining people in their roles forever so it's a case of a, a bit of pain will come but i don't think it is a, the financial cliff that we're hearing and if you very interestingly talking about money matters and uh, i guess covid19 there's been some interesting data come out about how many people have been having a bit of a play on the stock market yeah, this uh, this actually caught my eye. New new research from Investment Trends just came out yesterday and it found that at the end of 2020, the total number of active online investors in Australia reached a record high of 1.25 million. And it was during this lockdown that as many as 435,000 Aussies began trading for the very first time. And one in six of these traders were under the age of 25. 
I'm guessing it's a bit of time on people's hands, <laughs> um, cashed up in the sense of whether it's a stimulus or savings um, and in lockdown as well, looking for something to do. Um, look, no doubt that the choice of investment platforms has certainly driven this um, and that's thanks to the competition that we're seeing in online brokerage. The fees are plummeting. I mean, some of the cheapest brokers now, Tasha, charging a quarter, one quarter of the brokerage of the bigger platforms. And fees matter. I'll give you an example. If you're trading, say, $1,000 and brokerage is $10, that works out to be 1% if you trade. But if you trade just $600, that same $10 brokerage amounts to 1.6% of the trade. 1.67, sorry. And you remember brokerage, um, you've got to pay that when you get in and get out. So that $600 trade, to make money on that, your shares will need to rise in value by at least 3.3% just to break even. So that's why fees are important. Some of the cheapest ones I've found are at start at $5. Um, but besides fees, the report shows that people want information and strategies for the current environment and also a daily newsletter. Well, as we know, every dollar counts. And you've got uh, an interesting way to make more money from your home, especially if many people are heading away on holidays for Easter. Yeah, look, I'm thinking of kicking the family out and putting it on Airbnb. <laughs> Some uh, data released last night by Airbnb found the average Sydney host earns $3,041 per month. Not bad coin, and a lot of people are using that to pay off their mortgage, electricity bills and car registration. Um, if you're in Adelaide, you can expect to get about 2400 for your home. Melbourne, about 2100 Brisbane and Perth, pretty much the same. Um, look, it's worth checking the fees too because um, if someone books your room, Airbnb does charge a standard host service fee of $3, 3% sorry, of the listed price. Um, so let's say you, you rent out your house for $500 per night, um, you'll receive $485 and Airbnb receives $15. Take care also because, you know, this is income coming in, the tax person wants a cut of that as well. So um, you've got to keep your records there. And make sure they're good people staying in your home. <laughs> that, would help. that would help, wouldn't it, <laughs> Effie, happy Friday. Have a great weekend. Thank you. Time for sport now with Brett Thomas. And Brett, the NRL season kicked off in style for the Storm last night against the Rabbitohs. Yes, good morning, Tash. No Cameron Smith, no worries for Melbourne Storm. They beat the Rabbitohs last night 26-18. to 18. They flew out of the blocks. They were leading 22-0 to nil inside the first half an hour, running in four tries. Ryan Pappenhausen was the star of the night. He had two tries himself. It was almost perfect off the boot. Coach Craig Bellamy says that, well, he's part of their new big three. Paps is, you know, he reminds me of, you know, our big three players. They weren't just good players because, you know, they touch with a talent brush. You know, they work really hard and, and Paps has got that work ethic as well. Yeah, Pappenhausen, Cameron Munster and Brandon Smith was great as well last night. Didn't play the full 80 minutes at hooker, but certainly a lot of spark as he always does provide. Now, in terms of South Sydney, the concern is around Tom Burgess. He came off with five minutes to go on a stretcher. Had to be taken to hospital with neck and arm injuries. Let's hear from Wayne Bennett about his condition. Yeah, Tom's okay. Um, he's got pretty stiff neck and arms not totally, has all the strength there at the moment, but the doctor doesn't think it's too bad. Kind of a burner type situation. He's had a couple of them last year, not as bad as tonight. So sounds like that's only minor, uh, thankfully for Tom Burgess. A lot of hype around the Bunnies in the pre-season. They didn't live up to it uh, last, last night though, Tash. How do you think they'll go for the rest of the season? 
Well, maybe this is the, the kick in the pants that they needed. Uh, Wayne Bennett said that their attitude wasn't great. Uh, obviously, they won the charity shield. They thrashed St. George. A lot of attention on their the recruits that they had in the offseason. I think they'll bounce back. It's always tough to win in Melbourne. They hadn't won there ever, and Melbourne Storm hadn't lost a round one game in, in 20 years or something like that. So uh, we'll put it down to that, and we'll see how they go uh, in round two. Good to see the footy is back to the AFL now, and players are in doubt for round one, kicking off next Thursday night, Brett. Yeah, and some key players as well. Let's start with the Blues, Tash. They opened the season against the Tigers at the MCG. Now, Harry Mackay will need to pass uh, some more fitness testing. He's tweaked his ankle twice now in the preseason, once in a practice game and then once in the community series against uh, the Saints. Now, their forward line will be very thin without him. Mitch McGovern, Charlie Curnow and Tom DeConning have already uh, been ruled out of that side to take on Richmond. Eddie Betts, uh, the veteran, uh, superstar, of course. He's a fan favourite at the Blues. He's been battling a calf injury. He did play a practice match last week. He is expected to be available. But whether or not he's had enough uh, match practice, we'll have to wait and see. At the Bulldogs, Hayden Crozier, of course, coming across from uh, Fremantle a couple of years ago. He's out now for the first two months of the season. He had uh, shoulder surgery yesterday. Aaron Norton and Latham Vandermeer, who were injured in their community series match last week, uh, they are both expected to be fit to take on the Magpies. At Port Adelaide, uh, Sam Pal Pepper, he's been granted personal leave to focus on his well-being, and he's the second player this week to take time away from the club, uh, with his former teammate Paddy Ryder stepping away from the Saints um, for an indefinite period. So, a bit going on there, and then uh, Joel Selwood, just to wrap up as well, Tash, the Geelong superstar, appointed captain for a tenth season at the Cats. Big day in sport yet again. Thank you, Brett. Thanks, Tash. Checking the weather details around the country now this Friday morning as we head into the weekend. Brisbane, Charles 2 expected 28 degrees. 27 in Charles set to continue for Sydney. Partly cloudy and a high of 30 today for Melbourne. Few showers on the way for Canberra, 24. Partly cloudy and 28 for Hobart. Sunny, 32 today for Adelaide. Humid and partly cloudy for Perth with a top of 28. And a shower or two with a possible storm and 32 for Darwin. How's this for a feel-good Friday story? Eight-year-old Alan Kim has sent social media into a frenzy following his Critics' Choice Awards acceptance speech. The child star won the award for Best Actor for his incredible work on the movie Minari. In true COVID fashion, the US-based awards were a socially distanced affair with the actor appearing via video. Alan thanking his critics and family before bursting into tears. The audio is pretty special. Take a listen. Thank you. Thank you. First of all, I'd like to thank the critics who voted and my family, Isaac, Christina, Doug. Oh, my goodness, I cried. Friday. It's been a long week. We all feel like that. And that's all you need to know to start your day with your morning agenda in your podcast feed from 6.30am every weekday morning. You can also catch the latest episode in a whole new world of audio by downloading the new listener app for free. I'm Natasha Belling. Thanks so much for your company. Have a great day and a lovely weekend. And we look forward to seeing you bright and early on Monday. Listener.